0: I'd like you to join me and the ministers of music from here, Water of Life Church in Plano, Texas, as we minister the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus, which is the power of God. For the last couple of months, I have been preaching up here the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, the actual death, the actual burial, the actual resurrection. And I'm going to continue today with one aspect of that resurrection, the blood of Jesus. You know, you can't have a religion. You can't have Christianity without the blood of Jesus. If you don't have the blood of Jesus in your religion, you don't have a religion. That blood was absolutely necessary. And why am I preaching the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus? Paul speaks in Romans 1 16. He said, For I am not ashamed. I am not afraid to trust in. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. What is the gospel? The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation in those that believe. It is the power of God, the ability of God unto salvation. Salvation is anything you need. That's why I'm preaching the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. I want you to turn with me to Romans 6. We have a just God, a just God. And he has certain things that will never, can never be changed. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. You commit sin, this is what you get. You get death. You cannot change that. You can fuss, you can fight, you can stand up, you can argue, but the Word of God will never change. And the Word of God says, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is only one way to eternal life, and it is written right here. Only one way. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now turn with me to Hebrews 9. We're gonna be going back and forth, so keep your finger in Hebrews 9. I'm going to begin in verse 1. It says, Then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. This is Moses' this is speaking of Moses, the tabernacle of the law. For there was a tabernacle made, the first one was the candlestick and the table, and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tables of the covenant. And over it the cherubims of glory shadowing the mercy seat, of which we we cannot now speak particularly. Now when these things were thus ordained, the priests went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. But under the second went the high priest alone once every year. Only went into that second, that second part of the tabernacle once every year. And not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the heirs of the people. The high priest went in once only every year. Once. And you know what? Nobody could be in the tabernacle when he went in. Nobody could be anywhere around When he went in, when he took that blood into the tabernacle. And you know what? If that blood didn't work, you had a dead priest. You had a dead priest. And there was nobody around to help him. He went into the tabernacle once. And it says, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the heirs of the people. Now turn with me to Leviticus 17. I'll show you why he had to have blood. He had to have blood. You could not enter into that holiest of holies without blood. Verse 11, Leviticus 17. This is God speaking to Moses. He was giving Moses instructions. Verse 11, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. Do you get that? The life of the flesh. The life of the flesh is in the blood. You want to know where your life is? It's in your blood. Your flesh life is in the blood. And I have given it unto you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood, it is the blood that maketh an atonement, an appeasement for your soul. Therefore I said unto the children of Israel, no soul of you shall eat blood. Neither shall any stranger that sojourn among you eat blood. And whatsoever man there be of the children of Israel... Or the strangers that sojourn among you, which hunteth and catches any beast or fowl that may be eaten, he shall even pour out the blood thereof and cover it with dust. For, verse 14, it is the life of all flesh. The blood of it is for the life thereof. Therefore I said unto the children of Israel, you shall eat the blood of no manner of flesh, for the life of all flesh is in the blood. The life of all flesh is in the blood. Now, go with me to Exodus 25. We're going to talk just a moment, just a moment about that tabernacle that the priest only went once a year into the holiest of holies with blood. Where'd that tabernacle come from? Verse 40, Exodus 25, 40. And this is God speaking to Moses. He said, and look, that thou make them the tabernacle and everything in after their pattern which was showed thee in the mount. You know what that word for pattern means? Model. Model. God told Moses, you make sure you build that tabernacle exactly the way you saw that model on the mount. Now, let's go back to Hebrews 9. Remember, the wages of sin is death. I'm going to begin in verse 22. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood is no remission. Without the shedding of blood is no remission. You know what the word remission means? It means forgiveness or pardon of sins. But letting them go like they had never even been committed. Remission means taking away the sin where it doesn't even look like you committed it. Not only that, it also means taking away the penalty. Do you hear that? Not only does it mean forgiving the sin and making it as if it never happened, but also getting rid of the penalty. The penalty. That is remission. So let's go back. 22, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood. Without shedding of blood is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. What did Jesus have with him When he entered into that holiest of holiest in heaven. Let's go to Matthew 26. And this is Jesus getting ready to go to the cross. And he's having the last supper with his disciples. He said, and as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and blessed it and broke it. And gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. In another place he said, which is broken for you. And he took the cup, and he gave thanks, and he gave it to them, and he said, drink you all of it. Make sure you drink every bit of this wine. Drink you all of it, for this is my blood. This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Remember what remission is? It means forgiving the sin. It means acting as if it was never there, and it means not even the penalty is gone, all gone. He said, this is shed for many for the remissions of sins. Think about this for a moment. Like I've said so many times before, you can't kill God. You can't kill him. So Jesus had to become a man like us. And you know what? His life had to be in the blood. Just like you and I. He had to have blood and his fleshly life, the life of the flesh, had to be in the blood. Jesus had to come to earth and he had to have blood. He had to have blood. Now, let's go to John 19. And we're going to see what that blood, what happened with that blood. I'm going to begin in verse 31. The Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, Jesus had just died. He had just said, it's finished. And he gave up the ghost, gave up the ghost. Nobody could kill him. He gave up the ghost. The Jews therefore because it was the preparation that the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath day for the Sabbath day was a high day besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers which broke the legs of the first and of the other which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus they saw he was dead already. These guys knew what dead was. They saw he was dead already and they broke not his legs but one of the soldiers which a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came out blood and water. The blood came out. Now, you had to have blood. Without the shedding of blood is no remission. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. The sins won't go away unless you have blood unless there was blood. Now, back to chapter 9 in Hebrews, verse 11. But Christ Jesus, being a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, his own blood, his own and where did that blood come out? Came out on the cross. He said, 12, neither by the blood of goats and calves but by his own blood he entered in once under the holy place in heaven, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the bloods of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, how much more got a question here why in the world would you want to walk in the law when it doesn't make you perfect why in the world would you want to spend your life following the 10 commandments in the law when it doesn't make you perfect but the blood of jesus does the blood of jesus does that's what you want to obey he said, but if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctified to the purifying the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. The blood, back to verse 11, but Christ come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. That is to say, not of this building not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption. Redemption. Redemption means deliverance from the penalty of sin. Totally delivered. Now, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Jesus came to earth, John 17, he had a prayer to the Father before he ended up going to the cross. And he said, Father, I finished the work you gave me to do. And he said, and I'm getting ready to come home. I'm getting ready to come home. I'm coming back to you. And he had to go through the cross. And he had to go through hell. And he had to go through the burial. And he had to go through the resurrection before he could go back to God. And you know what he brought back with him? He brought his blood. He brought his blood. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the host in heaven, the father on the throne? Here comes the son. Here he comes. He has been to the cross. He went through the crucifixion with every bone out of joint. He has been through hell paying for our sin. He satisfied the father and the father raised him from the dead. And now he's coming home and he's got the blood with him. Can you imagine what the host must have been like, because they know what that blood's going to do? They know what that blood's going to do when he enters into the heavenly holiest of holies. They know what it's going to do. And he walks into the holiest of holies. What's it look like? It said Moses' tabernacle was a model. And Jesus walked into the holiest of holies and he sprinkled the blood, whose blood, his own. His own blood. Father, here it is. This is what you required. And here it is. I've done it. And here's my blood. And you know what happened in that moment? You and I were totally redeemed. The earth, every man since Adam and every man that ever will be was totally redeemed in a moment. In a moment. Amen. In a moment, you were totally redeemed. Your sins were remitted. That means they're not there. That means it's like you never even committed them. That means not only that, the punishment for them is not there. By the blood of one man, one man, You have been redeemed. Well, why doesn't it look that way? Because you're looking at that and not looking at what happened in the holiest of holies in heaven. That's where you put your faith. That's where you put your love. That's where you put your eyes. You put your eyes on what happened when Jesus went back to the Father with his own blood. That's where you put your faith. That's where you put your love. That's where you put your love not to that car, not to that job, not to that house, not to that man or that woman. You put your love on that one man that took his blood into the holiest of holies for you, and you have been totally redeemed. Now, what happens when you keep your eyes on that man that put his blood in heaven? I just, when I think about that, my heart is overwhelmed with what heaven must have been like when they saw him coming when they saw him coming and when he sprinkled that in the heavenlies, I was redeemed. I was made perfect in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat, I was made perfect. So what happens when you keep your eyes on what happened there? Then your body comes around, goes right in to that manifestation. It is manifested in the body. It is manifested in the body. You know what happens when you are totally redeemed from sin where the punishment's not there? Your cancer will disappear. Your AIDS will disappear. Your Ebola, your rheumatism, your arthritis, your blood pressure, your diabetes, it'll disappear. Why? Because the punishment for the sin's gone. It's gone. Where did sickness come in at? When we sinned in Adam, when you are totally redeemed, all that sickness will go away. It will go away. Now, Jesus said, you must be born again. You must be. To have this happen in your body, you have to have the spirit of Jesus in you. You can't be a son of God unless you got the spirit of the son of God in you. You have to become a son of God. Jesus said, you must be born again. How do you do that? Turn with me to Romans 10 real quick. Verse 9. But if thou wilt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. We, we say every day, call on the name of Jesus. If thou with thy mouth wilt confess the Lord Jesus. When you call on that man. When you call on the man, Jesus. When you call on the person, Jesus. And thou shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead Thou shall be saved. I talked to a young man yesterday. Hello, Jordan. And we were talking about calling on the name of Jesus. And I said, Jordan, I said, it's, the name of Jesus is not a magic word. You don't say Jesus, Jesus, Jesus like a magic word. I said, it's more like you call on, it's a person that you're calling. I said, it's more like when you were a child, you called mommy, mommy, mommy. Come here, mommy, mommy, right? You called on your mom. And what happened? She came. I said, it's the same thing with the name of Jesus. You're calling on the person. You're calling on the Son of God. You're calling on your Savior. You're calling on your Messiah. You're calling on the one that loved you and gave himself for you. And you keep calling on him till he shows up. That's calling on the name of Jesus. And while the Water of Life boys are coming up here to finish with some song, their anointed music, call on that man that went into the holiest of holies and totally redeemed you and call on him until he gives you what you need.